0: Just as COVID-19 is winding down, a new pandemic is surging. I don't mean a new disease, a pandemic of unfilled jobs. The demand for good talent far exceeds the supply. And in many companies, the department that has all the visibility is the recruitment team. As they scramble to fill positions, they're also looking for new ways to make their work more productive and effective. And there are hundreds of recruitment software programs and platforms, but Who has the time and know-how to figure out which one would do the trick? My next guest on the business of intuition has found a way to solve that problem. During his time at Harvard getting his MBA, Phil Strazula worked on a school project that later he turned into a business, Select Software Reviews, a website dedicated to helping HR and recruiting teams find and buy the right software through in-depth expert advice. During my conversation, Phil and I answered these pressing questions. How has recruiting tactics changed during this tight labor market? What role will AI play in the recruitment process in the future? How can we hire for culture, not just for skill? What simulations help recruiters find the right person for a job? And what can job seekers and recruiters do to make the interview an authentic conversation? Phil Strazula. Well, Phil, thanks a lot for being a guest on the business of intuition. I wanted to start off our conversation with something that has to do with it's a very timely topic. And, you know, as you know, and everybody knows, it seems like right now the biggest issue that people are having with their companies is that they can't get enough people. Recruitment is a real problem. If you just go down any street, You'll see McDonald's offering $15, $16 an hour. I've got a couple of clients right now who have 1,000 to 3,000 open recs, and they're really scrambling. I mean, this is your space, recruitment. So I guess my first question for you is in this extremely tight labor market, are you seeing any recruiting tactics changing as a result of it?
1: It definitely is a very competitive talent market, especially in more high volume roles where unfortunately, some folks are making more money not working than they yeah. would actually getting a job. And I've heard this from business owners, and recruiters. It's actually a hot market for recruiters as well, interestingly enough, because I think a lot of companies say, hey, we can't recruit, let's, let's hire some recruiters. I've seen some companies pay people to come and do interviews, which I think is always a suboptimal tactic because you're going to get people to show up and not show up for the job. The companies that are doing the best have really strong employee value propositions. I think back to the classic how to win friends and influence people book. And you know the first half of that book is really framing what you want in terms of what the counterparty wants. How do you add value to that person? And I I think recruiting is is certainly falls within that bucket. And so I think the companies that are doing the best are framing coming to work for them as a really great opportunity for those potential employees, whether that's somebody that is going to be the manager of of a McDonald's and has maybe an interesting career path or some sort of other economic incentive to get involved early before some of these unemployment benefits go away, or if it's even at a company like Google that might be hiring more of a well-educated employee who perhaps has a PhD and, and is looking for interesting challenges or, again, career pathing skills, really meeting and purpose. So I, I think that the companies that are articulating not the best and then have a really simple process that's augmented by the right tools and, and recruiting technologies, those are the companies that are doing the best right now.
0: I heard from a healthcare company, it was a chief nursing officer saying that right now, everybody just is more than anything concerned about pay and benefits and culture is not as important as it maybe it was before. And so I started to wonder and ask this person, is that because of the world in which we live and that's where the mindset is? Or is that a generational thing? Do you see that baby boomers can be recruited for culture And they value that, whereas maybe somebody much younger is more placing a value on money and benefits and culture is secondary. I mean, what's your sense about the different age groups that are now entering the job market and what's attractive for each one? So I think it's an interesting question. And there are certainly always going to be individuals who are motivated by different things.
1: The sort of counterpoint to that is you can see a a lot of research that's coming out that shows there are people actually who are quitting their jobs in droves as they're being forced to come back to the office. And so they're basically willing to roll the dice, potentially accept lower compensation to have that flexibility. And so that becomes part of this you know, employee value proposition that we talked about previously. In my opinion, people are different depending on lots of different demographic factors, education, socioeconomic status, as well as age if you actually look at, and there are many headlines out there around Gen Z wants X, Millennials want Y, Boomers want Z. If you actually look at the data, it it actually becomes much more confusing as you dig into PhDs across different age groups or people that work at McDonald's across different age groups. And you you find that those groups actually want very similar things. And so I, I think that Well, compensation is important for the job. It's sort of become table stakes. And if you want the right people, you're going to have to go above and beyond that to offer something that's interesting from a mission perspective or your culture, career pathing, skills, problems people are going to work on, all these things that people really care about who are not just looking for a paycheck.
0: So almost like I want to work with a company that's not only going to pay me well, but is doing well for the community, for the planet, for humanity, Is do you see some of that, uh, this social responsibility movement, is it still alive and well? I think a lot of people
1: care about that.
0: I think it's sort of, you know, if you think about
1: like the hierarchy of, of needs, right? There's like the Maslow period or pyramid. Yeah. And at the bottom, it's like, do I get a paycheck that allows me to live my life? Do I get health insurance, et cetera? And then as you sort of move up that stack, there are different things that matter of different people. Some people want flexibility, some people want really good parental leave, some people want more advanced benefits like hey, pay down my student debt. some people want a company that's focused on diversity and inclusion or the climate or other sort of social causes. And I think it's just really dependent upon different types of people. However, if you're a business owner, if you're a hiring manager or you're a recruiter, you're going to find commonalities in the demographics that you're going to recruit for the most part. And so you should be able to hone in on the things that your talent demographic really cares about. And the the social political things, obviously, it can be a little bit more challenging, especially if you have locations or you're recruiting in different parts of the country or, or the world. However, Most engineering talent wants to be left alone and go into a state of deep work for hours at a time and not get tied up in meetings and not get distracted. Most salespeople want a really sophisticated go-to-market engine that feeds them interesting inbound leads and a strong product. You know, most product managers want X, most general managers, blah, 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 and the list kind of goes on. And so it's really about talking to your best people and understanding why did you come here in the first place? why do you stay here? What do you tell people about this job? Who's a good fit for this job? Who's not a good fit for this job? And all of a sudden, you've got this really robust understanding of how to market your company to the right people.
0: Got it. So Phil, a little bit about you. I want to get back to the industry and so forth. But You know, as I read your background, venture capital, and if I'm not mistaken, and also Harvard grad, MBA, why get involved in this space? I mean, and you also described yourself as being a bit of a tech geek, if I may remember correctly. Why get into this space around HR, software reviews? There's a ton of things that you could have applied yourself to. Why this? What was the need that you saw? And why were you attracted to this?
1: Yeah. So when I was at business school, I I really wanted to start a business. And so I taught myself how to program and I, I just worked on a bunch of different projects. And one of those projects turned into this HR technology platform that I built for about five years. And two years ago, I hired somebody to run that as a general manager. And I had a lot of extra time and I wanted to start another business because for whatever reason, kind of entrepreneurial guy, you know, I I love the challenge of building stuff and I love to learn, I love to teach, and a gap in the market that I saw is that a lot of HR teams are really struggling with what tools to buy, and that's because a lot of the information on the internet is super biased, whether it's a crowd review website or the vendor content. I looked at what some companies like NerdWallet or Wirecutter had done for the B2C buying journey when people are, you know, looking at credit cards or golf clubs or whatever the case may be. They provide really high integrity advice to get you to the right product, and they do all the research. And I thought, what if we could do that in the HR tech space and just sort of help people along? It aligns with my interest in being a tech geek, wanting to share what I've learned. And also, if we can be sort of an intermediary between vendors and purchasers, there's probably some sort of
0: business there as well. And the cost structure is that the vendor, after they've been reviewed and vetted, they're the one who pays you to advertise versus the person who comes to your site. I'm an HR leader, I don't pay to get access to that. Exactly. And
1: we do something that probably hurts our bank accounts a lot in the short term and hopefully not in the long term, which is you don't have to pay us as a vendor to be on the website, you don't have to pay us to be reviewed. We really want to feature the best companies out there. And then a very small sliver of these companies will run a advertising campaign with us. And there's a bunch of different ways we can like make them more prominent on our website to get them a little bit more exposure. But we get emails literally every single day that are like, hey, how much does it cost to be on this page or this page yeah. or this page? And probably like 85% of those we have to turn down simply because we don't want to be that website that just hosts the people who are willing to pay us the most amount
0: of money. It's interesting. That's great. I like it a lot. So where's this going for you? What's your longer term goal? I mean, are you wanting to get into other industries with the same sort of model or do you see this as your vertical? And I guess I'm curious, what does five or 10 years look like? So we're kind of taking it
1: day by day. I would say, you know, we're only two years into this. We've figured out how to offer really good advice in this vertical that we know really well Hmm. And that domain expertise was essential in building this business to the point where it is. I think if we were to get into other verticals, we need to somehow acquire really quickly that domain expertise. And so I
0: think our focus
1: right now is really on how do we provide more value for the HR technology ecosystem Hmm. in terms of insights for buyers? How do we communicate to the vendors what they should be doing to make their sales processes more efficient? to make their products more interesting? How do we get more people who are great business leaders into this industry and get them excited about what's going on in people operations? Because 20 years ago, this was like a a really sort of dark corner of the business world, HR, right? It was basically, hey, pay your benefits, do your payroll. And that's kind of it. It was a paper pusher role. And it's become more and more strategic over time. And so we're trying to figure out how do we continue to empower these HR teams? How do we get the right people to upskill other people from marketing, from engineering, from finance to come in and lead these teams as well to have more and more impact on the whole people life cycle in your company? Because that's
0: that's like a huge part of most people's lives is is their work life. So are you saying then, I I don't know everything about your business, obviously, but Do you provide advice beyond the recruitment phase, meaning after they've been hired? Now, how do we develop them? How do we retain them? You know, how do we offboard them if we need to? Is that part of what you do? So we're really focused
1: on providing advice from a tools perspective, simply because we don't want to get into the nitty gritty of everything people operations. But we focus on tools that are relevant to the very top of your hiring funnel. And I always think about this stuff in terms of you know, sales and marketing funnels. So yeah. employer branding, what's that first impression? Where do people find out about you? How do you get them to convert down to an interested person, leave their email, maybe apply for a job, get in the interview process, get scheduled, get assessed, et cetera. And then, yeah, become an employee. You're onboarding and it's you know the standard blocking and tackling stuff in addition to the more strategic, how do you integrate somebody? How do you train them? How do you monitor their performance? How do you build a great culture? All of these employee experience factors that go through outplacement and, and
0: along that. Got it. Okay. Interesting. So down the road, do you see, and I saw this on one of your videos, so I have to give you a softball throw here. Is AI at some point going to take over this space? And we're just, it's, this is not going to be a human endeavor, the whole idea around recruitment. I think that technology is going to be more and more
1: of a part of it, but it's going to be more of an exoskeleton to a human that allows them to be 10 times stronger, faster, more intelligent than they are today. The robots are good at the robots are good at certain really rote tasks right now. And they're they're just getting good at that stuff that's like really basic and formulaic and repetitive. I think it's a long ways away until they can effectively assess a candidate and and really run the entire process. And so what's cool right now is that you you do see different AI-based technologies that will take off a recruiter's plate a lot of just like really grinded out terrible work and allow them to focus on why they got into it in the first place, which is spending time with candidates, understanding career paths, understanding your organization's strategic mission values, and executing on your people strategy in a way that aligns with If we ever get to the AI future, the world's going to be super different anyways. We're not getting jobs. So I'm not too worried about it. I don't think anybody else should be.
0: So all those recruiters out there listening, don't worry. You still have a job for a few more years. (laughs) Probably a really long time. A long time. Got it. We were doing some brainstorming with somebody a while back about recruiting and onboarding and so forth. And of course, there's so many different assessments out there that people may take as a process to be able to be considered for a position. And they've been around for a long time. But are there almost like um, simulated games that are technology-based that a person could do that as a result of how they play the game would give them give the potential employer an idea as to this person's fit? not only with skill, but with culture? Yeah, there are actually. There are really? exactly that.
1: And so you can play, there's a company called Time Metrics, is probably the most famous company out there that does it. And huh. it's developed by a bunch of PhDs who design games to test your risk aversion, mm-hmm. what your motivations are, what your skills are, and match you with a job. And I've actually taken the test. It's kind of funny. The the test told me that I should either be a recruiter or a private equity investor. So I'm sort of like maybe, you know, like some mashup of the two, even though they are pretty different, but it did kind of, you know, get at some of my core values. I I think a lot of these assessments are, they're just a data point. And again, it's another data point for a a human being, hire manager, recruiter to understand this person in addition to their work history and the way they answer questions and all that other stuff to make a hiring decision. And as we know, making hiring decisions are really hard. Like Google has probably spent more money than almost any other company on that. And they've come out several times and basically said, Hey, we don't really know what we're doing. You know, like GPA is not indicative of whether you're going to succeed, where you went to school is not indicative where you're going to succeed or not. So if they're struggling with it and you know, every company is struggling with it. It's just about yeah. getting, instead of, you know, flipping a coin, it's about being 75%, 85%, 90% and getting better and better so that you don't have to train somebody and onboard them. And then six months later, it's not working.
0: Yeah, I run into this all the time. I mean, our firm does many things, but one of them is coaching. And often we are brought in to coach a new hire that may be perfect for skill, but not for culture. And so we're sort of help them in a sense on board into that new culture. And it always, it doesn't surprise me anymore, but I am still taken aback by how much there is this tendency for to hire for resume. And then later realize that the person's behavior or value system just didn't match that of the company. And then they almost have buyer's remorse. We have to figure out what are we going to do now? Can we change this person's behavior Or do we have to let them go, you know, and that's sometimes where coaching comes in. Is this something that you're noticing more of these days? And I guess because I'm wondering, because we have this tight labor market, are we hiring people that we know aren't a fit? But gosh darn it, let's keep our fingers crossed that we can transform the behavior, make them leaders onboard them into our culture, be one of us, even though at first glance, it doesn't look that way, but at least they're breathing, they got a pulse and they can do what we think they can do on its most basic level. Is there more of that happening where we're skipping over culture for skill because we just are so slim in our numbers of people who are applying? I think so.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just really easy to go down that path and, and say, Hey, maybe it'll work out. or or maybe it won't matter as much as we think, or, you know, they've got X, Y, Z, that's really good. So let's pull the trigger on this. Hmm. I think also hiring for culture is really challenging and it's particularly challenging in a world where maybe you want to change your culture. Maybe you have suboptimal things that are holding your business back or holding back some of your goals as a stakeholder in society. And so you're thinking, that's not as important as a factor it's also really challenging to understand after a couple of meetings with somebody whether or not they're a quote-unquote culture fit unless yeah. you have a really defined culture where somebody you only hire like you know frat boys from the south or something like that you know what I mean like it, it's hard to really articulate I think what what that culture is and, and who would or wouldn't be a good fit for it and I think most organizations could probably, benefit from somebody that's outside of that culture fit coming in and offering a different perspective.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And I think that to what you said earlier is that a lot of organizations can't define their culture. Oh let's just show them our vision statement. Let's show them our mission statement. Let's talk about our values, you know, and that's going to be the extent of our description of our culture, but that probably isn't enough to be able, nor do we know how to measure our culture, you know, like how well are we actually living it or not living it? And do we need to change? I think that's all a really good point. I guess one question for you on this, Phil, as well. But let's just say I'm a person who's looking to get a new job. The time is right because the power has shifted from the employer to the employee. You know, it's like the labor market is sort of similar to the housing market. It's (laughs) demand is really, really high. So I can be a lot more choosy in terms of where I work. I now want to change jobs Any advice that you may have for me when it comes to how I present myself to a potential employer, especially in this market, what do you, even though you deal with it on the other side and you have, you know, you're doing things with respect to recruitment, but on the side of the person who wants the job, any advice that you may have for them? I would always put yourself in the perspective
1: of the person sitting across the table from you. And this is again, like one of the core lessons of how to win friends and influence people, which is a phenomenal book, but yeah. essentially like, what is that person looking for? How do you make that person's job easier? How do you frame things in a way that is aligned with what they're trying to get out of the situation? If you can do that, first of all, it's a great skill set to have to to take the other person's perspective. And it's important for, you know, for salespeople, but also really any sort of interpersonal interaction. I think if you can do that, you're going to have a much higher chance of success versus being in your own head. And there's so many people that I think blame like external factors on, I didn't get this because they didn't understand blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, they didn't understand that because you didn't, present it to them in the right way. And also, if you take the other person's perspective, you might realize, you know, I did show up two minutes late, I wasn't shaved, you're a guy, you know, I wasn't wearing a professional t shirt, because I thought it was a zoom meeting, all, all these other things might sort of pop into your head, if you can really take a step back, and or you just kind of did an okay job, and you answered their questions in the way that you thought you should answer them, but you didn't answer them in the way that they would have liked them to be answered, to make their job easier to say, yes, we want to hire this person. So I I think that would be probably
0: what's top of mind for me right now. Understood. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said earlier, and I didn't touch upon it, but I heard this before that people now are having other people go to an interview for them, like a surrogate interviewer or interviewee. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that. And and that's people who are doing it nefariously, or they're they're like this person represents me. Yeah, exactly. Almost like I'm the agent of this person. Is that happening now? So there are a couple companies now that are trying to be
1: like the sports agency of professionals, business professionals. So one of the people that actually started CAA, which is that huge talent agency in LA, is is behind one of these things. And I've heard at hmm. least four or five of them. Where you pay a membership fee, and I think you even pay some sort of portion of your salary to be a part of this, and you get coaching, you get opportunities that are sort of off market. and i I never thought that perhaps your agent would go to the interview for you. <laughs> I think that's a little crazy it because is, yeah. I want I want to have agency over my own career path. Like I don't want somebody else explaining who I am, and then also, taking in the information that I want to understand if I want this job or not. But it wouldn't shock me, actually.
0: I actually heard somebody on a podcast interview. God, it was just a couple of days ago where I can't remember the context of the company, but the person who was in the interview was not the person who was to have the job. They were representing somebody else. And I don't think that the person doing the interview was aware that the person Uh, who was showing up was not the person on that resume. It was somebody else. And it was really Sounded almost unethical, but I do wonder to your point whether we're going to see more almost like agents representing potential hires, you know, and if that's going to be a growing niche industry within recruitment. I think it's unlikely.
1: You hmm. you have third-party recruiters, obviously, who do a little bit of that and they help facilitate and they have a weird incentive many times, right? Because they're getting paid by the employer. But at the end of the day somebody who doesn't want to take control of their own career and isn't capable of doing that. I think that's a really, really bad sign. Yeah. I think I'm trying to understand like, what's the breakdown? Cause obviously this works really well with like talent, whether that's professional athletes or singers or whatever. Right, and, and I think the difference might be a lot of those people are very young. They are inexperienced when it comes to business stuff, their product is much more, known as a commodity versus somebody's like skill set or culture or whatever. It's almost like that agent is selling a product that you could like buy off the shelf sort of thing that you can describe in a PowerPoint presentation. And so I think that's probably why it works. In addition to, it's just like
0: much more complicated, higher stakes deals. Right. Hey, last quick question for you, Phil. We see this model, of course, we're very familiar with it. We have HR and recruitment as a part of that. And you have people who are obviously trying to find any number of jobs for people within their company, but do you see any trend where recruitment would happen or be pushed down to the team level, where it's not coming out of HR, it's not coming out of a, a department of recruiters, It's actually, I'm a, I don't know, like a product development team or I'm manufacturing or sales and that we are now in charge of our own recruitment. Maybe we have to be trained in it, but do you see recruitment being pushed down to the local level or do you think it's always gonna stay at this more HR higher level structure? I think it's already happening in a lot of companies,
1: especially what tends to happen is you get aggressive hiring manager who's like, you guys just aren't doing it for me. And yeah. sometimes they're, they're going to hire a third-party recruiting firm that costs a lot of money. Or sometimes they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and find that person. Or our team is going to go out and find that person. Referrals is the number one source of hire for, for most companies. And there are technologies that will allow your individual teammates to understand, hey, we got this open rec this person in your LinkedIn network is a really good fit for it, kind of uses some AI stuff to look at the job description and parse the skills, parse the experience, and then say, hey, Sally, you've got three connections you went to college with. Billy, you've got four that you used to work with. Can you ping those people? And so there's some tech that helps facilitate that stuff. But I think for sure, you're going to see more and more, especially in a tight labor market where your internal recruiting team can't do it, teams that'll
0: take it upon themselves. Well, I wasn't even just thinking, not just because of the fact that maybe there's a department that feels like their recruitment team isn't doing the job fast enough and they say, hey, forget about it. I'm just going to take it on ourselves. I'm meaning that there may be that because they are the ones who have to work with that new person, uh-huh. that they would be a better judge of character, a better judge of what's needed from a skill perspective, the dynamics of the team. We're bringing somebody in. All of us have to be somehow involved with that. Better culture integration because we're the ones who are, you know, So it gets us right to that. I'm wondering whether that might also be emerging, not just because we don't like what the fact that our recruitment team is so slow, it's because it makes for a better recruitment.
1: Yeah, I think
0: most companies already
1: involve the team in the process. They're sort of allowing the HR team to do like first cut Right. hey you know talk to 20 candidates give us the top three and then we'll kind of take it from there okay so they're they're already doing that and they're sort of offloading the workload to like a specialist organization within the company but you're right they, they need to be involved otherwise you're gonna hire somebody who could have a very different skill set than what you're looking for especially if you're talking about engineering roles even certain types of sales roles product marketing and there's the whole culture thing as well yeah
0: Great. Well, Phil, very fascinating. I think that you're in a market right now that is really needed, given everything that's going on in the world. How can people connect to you if they want to learn more about your company and what you're all about? Sure. So you can check out SelectSoftwareReviews.com. That's our
1: website. We've got a community on there. If you're buying HR tools, you want to ask specific questions of people in our community And it's totally free. Uh, You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Phil
0: Strazula
1: with two Z's and two L's. Pretty easy to find. Great. Wonderful.
0: Well, thanks for being on the Business of Intuition, and I wish you all the best of luck. Thanks for having me. You bet.
1: Thank you for listening to the Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Dean or Mission Facilitators Leadership, go to MFILeadership.com. That's MFILeadership.com.